Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at MWA underscore national. Now to our host, Tom Iovino, Diami Palatki, and yours truly, Chris Adkins. Believe me, we're playing on the fly today. <laughs> we're down one of our teammates. Chris Atkins isn't able to join us tonight. I wasn't able to be here at the last one. It's going to turn about as fair a play. But we are joined <laughs> by Diami Palatki from Long Island. Diami, welcome. How you doing? I'm doing well, Tom. How are you? Hey, you know, it's a wonderful night to be together and talk about some stuff. We've, how it's a, we've had tragedy. We've had triumph. We've had it all, Diami. Seems like this crazy week has just been like full of stuff. And Let's, it's um, only Wednesday night. I can't believe it. There's still Thursday, Friday, and in the weekend. I can't believe a three day weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Hey, to our friends north of the border who are watching or listening, happy belated Victoria Day to you. I know in Canada it's sort of the equivalent of Memorial Day. It's the kickoff to the summer. And north it, of the border. It doesn't even need to be an equivalent to anything. It's just another excuse for a double double. And what's wrong with that? A double double and a crawler. And when you go there with a couple of Molsons, you're golden. Um okay, so Today we've got some bad news, Yami, and it's heartbreaking news for you specifically. What what, what happened? Um, I got up for work on uh, I don't know, Thursday or Friday of last week. I walked out the back door, which is what I usually do, because when I walk out the front door, it's next to my son's bedroom, I wake him up. So I walk out the back door, and out of the corner of my eye, I could see something was not quite right with the treehouse. So I wander through the backyard, and I could see the foundation, or the I'll call it the foundation. It's the deck that the, that supports the treehouse. There's a deck suspended by the trees, and the treehouse just rests on the deck. And the deck was not uh, not all that it should be. One of the support bolts, because the system is essentially supported by four bolts, uh, and there's a system I rigged up so that the trees could move and float independently of the treehouse, because what I was focusing on at the time was being very careful to not limit tree movement, because I was aware that if the trees move and were rigidly attached to the treehouse, it could damage the treehouse. So that was my intention. Or the tree itself. Well, yeah, or the tree itself. And ultimately, if I if the tree dies, then it takes the treehouse tree down with it. You can't have a treehouse attached to a dead it's, tree. It's it's a, it's considered a joint package. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So so I had these nice these nice supports. Um, and I'll get the screen share going here. But I had these nice supports that were holding up the treehouse, but each one consisted of a three quarter inch galvanized lag bolt essentially, and it rested on that. Okay. And what happened was one of the lag bolts snapped right where it connected to the tree. Ouch. Um, so just was it was it a windy day? Did was there something going on with it or what? I I, I don't know. Uh, it wasn't. I mean, the hurricane, uh, rather the treehouse, survived Hurricane Sandy with no issue. If you're looking at the screen share, you can see here. This is the mechanism I devised. This is it upside down. But here's like the picture of the bolt going in. Um, and if I scroll all the way down, this is what the treehouse looked like before it collapsed. Okay. And uh, there's my copper trim. And this is it after I secured up. I've added temporary supports to all of them. But you can see in this picture, here's the one support for the deck. And this bolt here that's underneath mm-hmm. that support is supposed to attach up here. So a corner oh. a corner of the deck fell by about 18 inches. Ouch. Um, you can, this picture really shows it. The treehouse itself stayed square and tight. Thankfully, it had the sheathing on it, so that made it really rigid, and it just sure. tore the tore the bottom plate right out of the bottom of it. 
Um, so there's this nice gap in the bottom. Right now I've got a double 2x4 wedged underneath three of the four corners, because three of the four corners attach to the tree versus attaching to a post. One of the corners, there's no tree, it's a 4x4, and it's a through bolt, and it's, it's a tighten. So I'm assuming I have a little okay. bit more strength than that through bolt. Um, but the, so the three corners, I've got this double 2x4 wedged underneath it that'll take the load, so the trees are no longer supporting it right now. And then what I'll do, unfortunately, not during this three-day holiday weekend, because I have Memorial Memorial Day Cub Scout stuff on Saturday and Monday. Um, so it's going to be a busy weekend, but probably the following weekend, I'll get uh, a bar or a house jack from my dad and jack I'll crank up. It back up. Yeah, I'll crank that back corner back up. And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to set three more posts. I'm going to set them okay. just inside the trees. Leave it attached to the trees so it'll look like it's still supported by the trees, but the posts will bear all the weight. And okay. I think I may even switch from a 4x4 to maybe a 4x6 or a 6x6, and I may add two through bolts or just one. I have to think about that. What I was also thinking of is in the post, cutting a little mortise in the side of the post so the top of the mortise is flush with the underside of the rafter for the deck. And only make the mortise about a quarter or a half inch deep. And I have some, it's either six or eight quarter by probably six oak. And it's just hard as hell. And I was thinking of setting that into that little mortise so that it catches and it's got some mechanical strength resting on the bottom of the mortise and the the deck can rest on it so that if the bolt ever snaps, it's supported by... It's not going to drop, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I figured I'll turn the... Right now, the you know, the posts run vertically. I'll turn the oak sideways so that it's running um, parallel with the with deck. And I, I'm not sure if I'm going to get that funky with it or not. I just might go with mechanical tension too. Two, two things to remember. First of yeah. all, it's always going to have a live load on it. Yeah. Okay. Second thing is your kids get bigger. <laughs> so heavier kids, live load, uh, throw more bracing in there. Well, I figured it held the two of us, so... <laughs> but but understand, Yami, okay, while I'm big, I wasn't jumping around on it. Okay, That's like, true. When the kids get to be 100 pounds each and they're jumping around on it, you're going to have some problems. Yeah. Um, so, so, wow. It's nothing, you know, thankfully... It's, it's, Treehouse was it's not done, so there was nobody up there. Uh, the kids have still never been up there. I'm not going to let them up till I get the railing around the deck. Um, of course, and it happened at night, so nobody got hurt. And it's completely, it's a little, it's a lot more work, but it's absolutely repairable. So all things being equal, if it's going to fail, now is the time for it to fail. I'll spend a little bit more time supporting it, and we'll move from there. So you know what they say: no harm, no foul. That's exactly it. Uh, now it's the way to do thing. it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fortunately, I wasn't working on anything as as challenging as what you were. Working on. I had nothing fail and drop 18 inches. Um, but what I did was after my little accident, and we all remember the accident. Mm-hmm. That wee bit of kickback. Yeah, wee bit of kickback. <laughs> and I've recovered finally. Um, what, what happened was I realized that to my right, when I stand at the saw, mm-hmm. there's the end of my miter bench. And I've been needing to put up a, a set of shelves to hold my push sticks and my Featherboards, which would have prevented this in the first place, but I couldn't get to them because they're in a big heap on top of the end of the bench. So what I did was just you know, using some of the plywood left over from the banquette project. Um, I was able to fashion just a quick six cubby kind of uh, holder. Okay. I was able to pull all my table saw accessories out of my uh, little rolling tool cart on one side of the shop and put them right next to the saw. So now when I work at the table saw, instead of walking across the shop to go get stuff, I can just reach up on the shelf, which is right that, there to my right. 
that's absolutely key. My the the trick that I find is things need to be reachable from where they are. And that's why I'm, my ultimate goal with the shop is to have everything that way. But let me ask you, in terms of your, I know that your push sticks, um, you actually use the micro jigs, which is, they're fantastic. Um, but for your for your featherboard, what do you use for a featherboard? Well, I've got a couple of featherboards. I have a few magnetic ones that I can turn the magnets and it locks down on the table. Mm-hmm. I have uh, one of the grip type uh, ones which sits on the table with magnetically. It has a piece that pushes in to hold the work, uh, work against the fence. It also has a plastic piece which holds down as well. So I can set it while I'm ripping. Right. And it holds in and down, which helps tremendously when I'm on the table saw. Of course, I need a cast iron table saw top. I can't use it on a router table. I have to use things that clamp in the tracks there. But on a sit- table saw, anything magnetic works. Yeah, and I, I, as I've looked at them, I, I can't say I was ever about to pull the trigger on a steel city, but the the granite top, I think, for a table saw, it's it's a, it's a non-starter because while it's nice and flat, the magnetic is just too convenient. As as cavalier as I am about the table saw, which I, I shouldn't be, but as as I am, the one safety device I routinely use is is um is my featherboard because I have the rigid magnetic featherboard and sure. I I store it magnetically attached to the side of the cabinet of the saw and I just I only I use the top knob so I I undo it in two seconds it's up on the saw and it it's convenient and that's why I use it um convenience and having it, and having it, and having it handy I mean right there um I'm really working to eliminate all my excuses I yeah. think that's in woodworking a lot of it is eliminating the excuse we'll have to walk all the way across the shop to go get it well let's make sure we got it handy so when we do actually work on the table saw and, you know, I put the splitter back on, but I'm looking now. I'm, I'm, I'm approaching some folks to see if perhaps maybe we could work up a deal where with a newer saw with a riving knife and better dust collection, which an open contractor saw just isn't good for that. Yeah, I um, see that. A deal. I, I kind of disagree with that. I get reasonable dust collection out of my cabinet, my contractor saw, and I've not yet made the final step of enclosing the motor, which I will. Well, the funny thing is, though, Dion, these ones come equipped with the dust collector as opposed to trying to fashion one. And me, I'd rather be building furniture. I'd rather be building projects than stuff to screw to the back of the saw and mess with that. It's funny because I'm of two minds in terms of that. I have no qualms about messing around with my table saw to make it collect dust when it normally wouldn't have. But like a scratch stock, I'll buy a scratch stock sooner than make one. It's I, I, I can't say there's any rhyme or reason to what things I'm willing to make and what things I want to buy. But you're so bass backwards. It's funny. <laughs> Um, but anyway, but again, you know, but again, I mean, you know, it, it can be done, and believe me, I've seen plenty of ornate, intricate shop dust collectors built for open cabinet saws. But when I think about what I spent on this saw, around five hundred dollars, I could probably sell this saw for two hundred, two hundred fifty, and buy a brand new rigid for about five hundred dollars. So for two hundred fifty dollars more, I can get it built in, plus with the riving knife. Now, is that with it built in? Is that that they've they've built it into the contractor saw, or is that now a hybrid saw? It's it's sort of a hybrid semi cabinet, semi open. It's it's definitely a hybrid saw. So it's a uh, you know the, the, the base is enclosed, has a shroud around the blade, right? And but it's, it's got, got a four inch port. But it's got the trunnions mounted to the table rather yeah. than to the rather than to the cabinet. What I would love, of course, and we all would love to be able to you know snap our fingers do the old I Dream of Genie move and have a brand new cabinet saw line up. But again, you know, this is my hobby. It's not my profession. So I can't go to the family fund and say, hey, look, I need $1,400 to go buy a new table saw. The kids don't need braces. I need a saw. I mean, come on, shoes. (laughs) I mean, gee, food. What is it with you people? You ate yesterday. 
It's funny ideas, like that. Yeah, I know. They're crazy. Yeah. So the whole idea is maybe you end up with something on the, on the prosumer end. Yeah. The, yeah. New technology with its split blade guard with the riving knife with the dust collection and being able to operate that in the shop and, and keep everything safer and cleaner and that's really what I'm looking to do. Clean is nice once you go once you start using tools with re- with decent dust collection. It's hard to go back. I remember the good old days when I used to sand with my random orbit sander and just leave the bag off the little tiny dust collector bag and in the place would be a cloud of dust and I would open my garage door and turn on my little box fan and blow everything outside. And the cars were covered. Like they go through the Sahara Desert. I was using car was brown. It was it was crazy. I I know what you. I was using my uh, my planer over the weekend, and I had. I'm still, you know, with my ongoing shop issues, I'm still running everything off a 115 amp circuit. So my planer plus my uh, shop vac plus someone turns on the hall lights equals a broken uh, pop fuse. Dude, it was six months ago. I was standing in your shop, and you said, within a week or two, I'll be hooked up. Yeah. I've got, like, half the outlets are wired. (laughs) I'm, I'm getting there. People keep wanting things. So... Anyway, I had to turn the vacuum off so I was, wouldn't be popping the fuse. So I just had the hose, the vacuum hose. I actually unplugged it from the vacuum. And it was just draped out in the driveway because I've got the DeWalt 13 inch, which actually has a, an ejector in it. Sure. So you're talking about, you know, dust collection and it's just the, you can't actually see the chips coming out of the vacuum hose. They were going too fast, but you'd see them hit the driveway and this, this ring of sawdust just built up in the driveway as a milling and milling and milling. I um I've come to the conclusion that uh, basically wood is made out of compressed planer shavings, <laughs> and uh, when you disturb it, it just it just multiplies and takes over the shop. It's like tribbles in Star Trek. It's it's uh, I don't know. Let me ask you on this subject: Do you have more issues with the the shavings off the planer or off the joiner? I don't have a joiner. You don't have a joiner. No, I have a I have a joiner that's twenty two inches made by Veritas. Ah. And it's powered by the guns. So uh, so the idea is, you know, I'll do the joining, or what I'll do is I'll straight line rip with a, with an edge guide, mm-hmm. and I'll true one side that way and then flip it around. I just you use the old uh, hot glue to melamine and run it through the planer to join one face? No, I'll, I'll, I'll face plane those to get it flat. Basically, what I'll do is get so it doesn't rock on the on the bench, and I'll put it through. And right. it's worked pretty well for me for, I don't know, a dozen years now. No, so. uh, that's a that's a great way to do it. it actually, one of, one of Andy Chidwick's... Uh, woodworking coach videos is a method that I've used many times and I'm just lazy so I'm not going to play it by hand but if it doesn't fit on the joiner because I only have a six inch joiner sure. what I do I have a, a cheap melamine shelf from Home Depot um, and I just I you put the wood on that you throw a shim or two under it so it doesn't rock go around the perimeter with hot glue and run that through the planer, you plane one end so it's flat, you peel it right off, and you stick it through the other side, and it comes nice and yeah, flat. The other side comes nice and flat, yeah. That's, I mean, there's workarounds. I, I found, you know, even though I have a two-car garage, and it's 400 square feet, 420, it's still crowded with the tools I've got. And I really couldn't envision putting in a large piece of stationary equipment other than what I already have. It's just at the point where I, I would be blowing out the walls, and it's it just... So I'm, I'm using hand tools and, and the table saw and the planer, and I'm, I'm finagling, and I've been doing it fine so far. No, so, I, think it'll, I think it'll work, but what I was getting at was with the dust collection is... Oh, sure. This this past weekend, I had to actually take the dust collection off my planer because it takes off such... I was I was planing aggressively, or my joiner, rather, excuse me. I was joining aggressively, and the big, wide shavings it was taking off were, were clogging 
you know, you got the, the cast iron planer that sits on top of the stand. The stand just got a chute that then collects to the dust collection. Sure. And it was all clogging in the chute. And as you're planing, you start shooting chute shavings out of the planer head. So you, or the joint. At that point, yeah. At that point, it's considered a problem. Yeah. So, you know, uh, just, just in law enforcement, they call that a clue. So, you know. <laughs> I've realized that in that conversation, I've just confused the plater and joiner about a dozen times and swapped between them. Don't worry <laughs> what about I really it. need is the power tool that makes my wood flat. We're, 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 don't worry. Everybody's got that. Everybody has the show notes. Everybody yeah. has the scorecard. They're able to keep track. <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, so, so now, I, you know, there was, there was some news this week in the woodworking community. And we're a little sadder, but we're much richer because she actually got in there in the first place. Um, the village carpenter is, uh, blog that's been around. Actually, it started a month after mine. Sorry, Carrie. <laughs> I'm older. I got seniority. Um, what happened was, uh, Carrie Holtman, who is the, uh, is the author for, uh, for the Village Carpenter. And that decided, would be villagecarpenter.blogspot.com? That's the one. She has decided to hang up her cleats for the Village Carpenter. Now, this doesn't mean that Carrie's going to stop woodworking. It doesn't mean she's going to stop participating on Facebook and all these other things. It doesn't mean she's going to stop lurking around other people's blogs. It's just she made the right decision for what was going on in her life. Her partner, Nancy Sheets, had a health scare earlier this year. And rather than focus on trying to force content into the blog, she decided she was going to take the time off stop contributing to the blog and to focus on the important stuff in life. The people we love, very important. So in this case, for her, I salute her for making the right decision. And the best thing about it is, as long as Blogspot is still up, they're going to host her content. So there are six years almost of content that Carrie's put out. And we're talking some killer content. Um, Carrie is, a, is, is an outstanding carver. She built oh, un- unbelievable carving. She did her first car, her first relief carving was that sharpening stone case mm-hmm. she made. And it's just mind blowing. I mean, it's this nice relief carving of all these little hand tools. Um, and she's writing about it humbly about how this was her first attempt. And I can't imagine carving like that after, after years of attempting. Your, your 50th attempt. You hope yeah. you look half as good. And she was, she is a chip carver, uh, carving around. Uh, she makes her own tools. Not only makes her own tools, but goes a step beyond and embellishes them. Yeah. Uses her own irons. I'm thinking, girl, what is with you? Stop I was showing us all up. I was just looking at uh, Sven today. That's oh. the uh, the smoothing plane she made, the horn smoother, and the ornamentation on that. The the within the I'm gonna no, I'm not a plane guy, so excuse the fact that I've known none of these terms. But the the mouth, I guess we'll call it, where the, the chips come out. Yeah. She she cur- she carved these these spirals into it, and it's it's inside the plane. So you really need to have it in your hand and looking down at it to see. And it's just amazing. Um, it, it, it goes beyond utilitarian. I mean, I built a plane and I was happy to get it off my bench and actually work with it. <laughs> she has taken the, the plane and gone beyond just plain ornamentation to you know, art. It's a piece of art. It's it's the craftsman's mark. It's the pride of, of building your own and then being able to identify it on a table. That's, that's the one I did. And just to look at that, say to yourself, wow, I mean, there's some skill there. I mean, she just, you know, some of the stuff she built, um, you know, some tables and just the way she works and the way she can explain things. Um, it's, she, it's, it's clear. It, it's very clear. And it's, 
she sees it as so straightforward and and easy. Frankly, uh, when, when I was I I toured her shop years ago, and um, after we were done talking about the shop setup and the way the sh- the way everything works at the time, I think she was doing some line and berry inlay, and she takes out the the tool she's using to do the scratching and to make the inlay, and she's going through you know step by step how she made the tool, how she made the blade, um, and it it really is just a series of of very straightforward steps. Sorry, I just whacked the mic. Uh, and um, that's okay. She's talking about how how easy it is, and, and I don't know that that kind of carving and making the tools to do that kind of carving don't strike me as particularly easy. But um, she gets right into it, and it, it was uh, it was amazing to see what she does with it. You know, two other things about Carrie that stand out for me. Number one, she goes and instructs, and it's not just you know it's not just because you know she can do this and she wants to show you look what I've done, but she can instruct what she's doing. And she's taught at different different. Yeah. Museums in the area and everything, and it's, I, I would pay big bucks to go see her instruct. I mean, it's the kind of thing where she, if she wanted to instruct, see, you've got the image of the plane up there, the Abbey. Yeah. A Sven. That's Sven. Take a look at it, folks. Yeah. If you're watching. I'll try to link to, directly to Sven in the, in the show notes, but it's, if, it's, if you're listening, you're missing something. You need to go to the show notes and find out where Sven is. It, how does somebody build this? And, and just, it's, it's a matter of, oh, well, I just wanted to look nice. Well, it goes beyond looking nice. It goes to the point where it's, it's a piece of art. And, you know, the incredible thing about it is she will go and instruct and she'll go do this. And the other thing she has, and, and you know, she still has it, is this incredible patience because there's idiots like me <laughs> emailing her, Carrie, I want to do this. Carrie, I want to buy that. I still remember buying a new set of chisels. I was in agony. Trying to I remember those nice chisels. Set of chisels. I was looking all over and people were giving me all kinds of crazy advice. Buy old, buy new, buy expensive, buy the cheapest you can, sharpen right, do this, do that. You know, I was I was confused. When I talked to Carrie, she said, Look, get yourself a serviceable set. Here are some recommendations. Sharpen them the right way. They'll last you a generation. You pass them down to your kids. They'll fight over them like rabid jackals. I bought a nice <laughs> set of chisels. I wasn't at a lot of coin. And her advice was right on the money. And when, when, you know, I mean, I'm going back and forth and emailing her and I'm overthinking and I'm paralysis by analysis. She just said, you don't overthink her. Not me. Not me. <laughs> no. But it was paralysis by analysis that was about ready to just throw in a towel and just stick with the old chisels I bought first. She said, go right ahead and do it. Just pull the trigger. You won't regret it. And I spent 120 on a set of chisels. Again, my kids are going to fight over those are your uh, your not two cherries, but from the same factory chisels. No, they're, they're, they're Hearst chisels, yeah. They, and she had a recommendation on them, and they work like a champ. I mean, everything she said was right on the money. So here That's we are. That's great. I was there uh, for a while. My sister-in-law was in college near Carrie's, so I would stop by and visit Carrie when I would go see my sister-in-law. And because I was always the one who moved my sister-in-law, it meant that more than half the time I've been to Carrie's house, I've had a flatbed with me. Um, <laughs> So the last time I went, uh, she was nice enough to give me a bunch of the mouse co- mouse poop covered lumber in her garage nice. that she thought was just taking up space. And um, she was just always generous like that. And I'm sure she still continues to be generous like that. But um, that generosity not only came across to her friends, but just to the blog and to readers. And she brought it to the whole online community. And you know we we were we were so fortunate that back in 2007 in September she went and did it. And uh, put it online. And, you know, we, it's always the worst. You know as well as I do. You put it out there. You're going to get ridiculed. Is somebody going to call you a moron? Are you, is it going to be worthy of what other people are doing? But she dove right in. And um, the stuff was just incredible. 
And uh, we're so much richer as an online woodworking community because she was there and did that. And Absolutely. really, Carrie, I've got to, I've got to salute you. I mean, one of the people I admire most in the online woodworking community, and while it's closing the door on this opportunity, I'm sure there's more out there for you in the future. And um, I look forward to reading more. This is just a, a just a chapter ending. And mm-hmm. for anybody who hasn't read all the posts, or even if you have, like you, like you mentioned before, the great thing is they're still out there. And mm-hmm. at some point, the, the pace that she was publishing, well, you know, you published the same pace. It's it's breakneck. Um, and I could appreciate why that, you know, that, that wears you out, especially when you've got real things going on in your life. Yeah. There's thing um, called life that goes on. Yeah. yeah. Some of it's serious and some of it isn't. So. But the, the nice thing that people can do now is, well, you can do this before, but the nice thing that you can do is start from the beginning and follow through the journey and watch as she gets more into hand tools, you know, watch the project she does. And, you know, you don't have to get crazy into every project, but you'll see the variety of things she builds. And for everything she's building, she's talking to you about how she did it and what she learned and, and the method she, she chose. And you could almost use it as a, as a guide to just take you through a, a journey of, of learning woodworking. I think ultimately that's was that is her main appeal with uh, Village Carpenter is that it's accessible. It's yeah. not. I build this great stuff. Look at me. Good luck trying to emulate my stuff. She is a real person, and it comes across genuinely in her posting. It's the kind of thing where you can read it and you can say, I remember doing that in my shop, or I'd like to do that in my shop, but I'm afraid to take that first step. But Carrie can do it, and she explained the steps to me. So it becomes approachable. It's not Absolutely. something like pie in the sky. Well, if you can't build this with hand-cut dovetails, good luck. You know, it's the kind of thing where it's very approachable, very uh, very common speed, very uh, for morons like me. <laughs> we can figure it out. If I can figure it out, anybody can figure it out. And she had the ability to communicate to the least common denominator is looking right at you right now. Of course, if you're listening on iTunes, we're talking right now. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so. So again, a salute to Carrie. I mean, without a doubt. You know, and again, somebody after six years who hangs them up, yeah, it's a long commitment and we really appreciate everything you've done. Absolutely. I think for, to, to Carrie from both of us and frankly the entire community, a big thank you for for what you've done and, and as welcoming as you've been. A round of applause for sure. Golf clap indeed. We had other stuff scheduled for tonight, but you know what? Google doesn't play well with other folks. So we're going to go off the air now, kind of an abbreviated version. You don't have to hear us go on forever. Nobody really wants to do that. But before we leave, we do have something else. There's a new blog out there from Doug Ward. Yeah, Doug Ward has been a very active member of the Modern Woodworkers Association Google Plus community, and he shares a lot. And he just finally jumped into uh, into the online fray, we'll say. And he's got a blog at dcwwoodworks.com. And he's kind of doing what we're all doing in terms of sharing what's going on in his shop and what he's working on. And uh, right now he's talking about, he's, he's, I think he's about to leave, or at this point he might even be at the class, but he's taking a class at the Woodwright shop. Oh, great. Um, so that should be interesting and see see how he, how he uh, does after the class. Right now he's just blogging about going to the class. Um, so I just want to thank Doug for being a, an active member of the community. That Google Plus community is a, is a great place to have a discussion about woodworking. Um, and if you get a chance, check out dcwwoodworks.com and let's see what he's building. That, you know, that's a great thing. I mean, just, you know, hey, one door closes, another one opens, guys. So, you know, while Carrie's blog may have ceased running, we've got a new one coming on. And, you know, but it's just in a matter of watching what people are doing out there and seeing what we can learn. Yeah. And that's really critical. Uh, one other thing I forgot to mention, um, I don't know if I ever told you that I have trouble with lock miter jigs. 
with Lock Miner Radovitz. I've heard of that, and uh, I think I, I think I know where you're going with this. There, the hearsay, there are problems. It's it's a wonderful joint when you're at a woodworking show and somebody runs it through and says, "Look, first time," and then you go home and there's about 18 hours worth of work to set it up, and you're ready to throw the bit. I don't know, maybe three, four hundred feet that direction because you can't get it to work. Um, our friends over at Infinity Tours, uh, David Vendito, came out with a jig. Uh, I haven't yet got my hands on a copy of it yet, but I have seen it work in prototype where it shows where the center profile of the bit is vertically and horizontally. Mm-hmm. And he did first time with now test cut, set it up and cut a successful lock miter jig, which as far as I'm concerned wow. is kind of like finding the Holy Grail. Um, so I'm going to get my hands on one of these soon. Um, but I know somebody from the St. Pete Woodworkers Guild that I belong to, and I'm the vice president okay. of, went and picked one up. And ironically, this month, the topic of this discussion is the lock miter joint. <laughs> Completely Who unrelated that to the out? release of this. And what happened was that you've got two members are going to show, one's going to show a mechanical kinesiology kind of, you know, cut, try, and the other one's going to do a mathematical equation. But they had to get the third option, which was the jig. God. Uh, well, hey, I'll report back and see what we got. But I'm um, just going to say that options one and two seem like more work than the joint is worth. You know, I can cut a spline on my table saw and stick stuff together that way. Um, but again, if if this one if this jig does pan out, I'm hoping that I get my hands on a copy and I'll be able to evaluate it. Maybe there's something else that'll help the woodworker out there. So who knows? Absolutely. And I, I think that, that jig is something that David alluded to when he was on episode twenty three. Exactly. It was in the um, skunk works, he said. Yeah. So it was, you know, something we couldn't really divulge what was going on. But this is a if this works, this could take that worthless bid I bought over there for a few dozen dollars and actually put it on the router table back here or so. I've got the same worthless bid, and I'm not even 100% sure I still have it. I have to look. Look around. Yeah. Maybe out there somewhere. Maybe past the treehouse. Yeah. (laughs) Somewhere in the backyard. You know, if if I only had more electric in the shop, I could run my routers. I wonder how that could happen to me. There was no day what's out there and wire. I I want to be aspirational. If I finally put in electric, I'd be expected to do something. Uh, Well, just do it before the next hurricane comes up and threatens the Northeast, okay? Yeah. Because next time I go up to report to assist you guys and bailing you out after the storm, I want to be working in that shop. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll make you this promise. You're going to get to work in the shop and the treehouse will hold you. Nice. That's exactly what we want. We want the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. Deanna, we're about ready to wrap it up. Anything else we want to cover before for the good of the order? I think that's about it. This, Like you said, this is a quick little episode. We had some technical difficulties, but we wanted to make sure we put something out there today. Um, So that's about all we got for now. But if people are already missing us, they could always subscribe on iTunes. Just search for Modern Woodworkers Association. Once you subscribe, you'll never miss one of these exciting episodes because they do ultimately post iTunes, though you can check them out on YouTube uh, the day they the day they're recorded. Uh, but before you go to YouTube, while you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating. It helps our rank so that others can find us. And if you want to learn more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. Follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. You can like the MWA on Facebook or circle Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. And while you're on Google+, you can join the Modern Woodworkers Association Google Plus community for project sharing, discussion, and loads of woodworking banter. So, uh, I'm, yeah, uh, David did. <laughs> Um, uh, and I said, David, I should have said Douglas. That would have been much, Douglas, much handier yeah. if I'd referenced the right guy. Right so, Doug Ward, thank you for, for being an active member there. 
outstanding. Now, where can they find you, Diana? Well, they, people can find me at penultimatewoodshop.com. On Twitter, I'm at Diami Plotke. That's D-Y-A-M-I-P-L-O-T-K-E. And I'm Diami Plotke on Google+. And hey, I'm resident trained shop monkey, Tom Iovino of Tom'sWorkbench.com and at Tom's Workbench on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Wishing you all happy sawdust. Keep your fingers on your hands and stay safe out there. Okay?